2: Vernomatic Productions.
0: Are you ready? Live from the Metal Mayhem Studios in Rochester, New York. We are gold. Direct from New Jersey, Metal Walt. And from the band motor lord, Ian O'Rourke. Good evening, everybody.
3: As always, Thursday night, new content drops. Tonight, we got the whole gang together. We're continuing our series, The History of Metal. This year, year two of the 90s, 1991. That's coming up in just a second. But first, just want to remind you, get up to that Metal Mayhem ROC website, Check things out, download some past shows. Recent episodes included last week, we had that Raven Metallica special on their benefit show down in Florida. A couple weeks before that, we had uh, Steve Rosen, the author of the Eddie Van Halen book, Tone Chaser, Todd Kearns and his band uh, Heroes and Monsters. And at the beginning of the year, we had a two-parter with Jason McMaster. So get up to the website, check those out, download them, rate, review, and subscribe. OK, well, let's get my metal brothers in from New Jersey, Metal Walt and from Central New
1: York
4: and the band Motorlord, Ian O'Rourke. Hey, guys, how are things been?
1: What's going on, brother? Good to be here back with you guys.
4: So, hey, we're here to talk about 1991. It was uh, still a good year, but not maybe as eventful as some of the previous years. I think we saw still a lot of massive releases. There were a couple of bands that really hit the top of the Billboard charts a lot of the bands we love and know were still putting out new music. It just didn't have that flair. I think the eighties period of the typical hair bands was like it it was winding down and almost dead at this point. But you started to see a resurgence of new artists, a lot of heavy bands. Um, there was also a couple of deaths for some really, you know, famous metal musicians. So a lot to cover in nineteen ninety-one. So Ian. Start us off. Talk about uh, your remembrance of
1: 1991. Yeah, I had a little sidebar with uh, Vern before, uh, you know, when we were discussing going into this. And when you look at 91 as a whole, it's kind of, you know, it's it's there's some good stuff. But there's a lot of, you know, because it's that changing of the guard. You know, you've got uh, there's, you know, like a big four of the uh, so-called alternative uh, or grunge, you know, type bands, you know, that that kind of came out in this year. But there's still, you know, a handful, at least a good four or five uh, of the ones that we know and love. Right at the top of the list is Metallica with the Black Album. I mean, that's the granddaddy of of this whole thing. I mean, it sold so many albums. It was what a, a two and a half year tour. You know, they just they were endlessly on the road playing, 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 supporting this thing. Every time they try to come off the road, one of the other songs would drop as a single. It just kept propelling them to even greater heights that they had already, you know, seen with you know Master Puppets and then Injustice for All. So that's probably the top dog that I, I can think of in this whole collection that we have right here.
4: I was thinking about that as well. Metallica, if you go back to the previous album, Injustice for All, right? It, it kind of got them on MTV, but there was still that mystique because the video didn't contain the band members. And right. the Black Album was like, OK, now they're they're not just one single. There's five singles. They're in the videos. They're live performances. It was like putting them up in that mainstream, which was sort of a gradual ladder from sure. the video of one. And if you guys remember that tour, it was also unique where it was an in-the-round tour. They had no opening act. They played, you know, a really like a a two-hour, 20-minute show straight through with no intermission. Um, And they toured for a long time on this album. So they were really at, this was their pinnacle, I think, as a band.
3: I got to fact check you. That one uh, video did have Metallica in it. They had cutaway scenes throughout the whole video of them jamming in the warehouse. But you're you're spot on. Um the, the the tour was great. Personally, I saw it three or four times and every time they came around, they started mixing in new songs that happened to be the 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 single or the top of the charts at that time, reinventing themselves. That's when they really yeah. started on the live tour getting into the videos, specializing each tour stop with B-roll footage of that particular city. That was great. Um I'm an old guy Metallica fan, and I love the Black Album. I It was a well-received haircut, if you will. I liked uh, Enter Sandman. I liked when it came out, and to this day, I still love that song. I think it kicks
1: ass. I still, pound for pound, think that the song said But True, the way it's written, the way it's recorded, is one of the heaviest tunes ever. It's just, it slams you from beginning to end. And think about the the people that finally got a chance to see when you saw the videos for Sad But True and Wherever I May Roam, and you saw the intensity of those crowds on this tour. You finally got a chance to get a glimpse of just how powerful and magical the Metallica machine was when they were playing live. So...
4: And this is how it ended up as uh, a top of the Billboard chart. Um, The other – there's a couple other bands that also hit that. The other one, which was probably the one-two punch for 91, was the Guns N' Roses, uh, Use Your Illusion 1 and 2. Now, I'll go off on record and say I've never been a fan. I have nothing against GNR. I just was never really into them. However – you know how many bands in the early '90s were putting two studio albums out in the same day with two different album covers? Really, the same album cover, just in a different mm. actual color. But you know, they—if you look at the, the the songs on the albums, just my opinion—they're not like nowhere near as good as their previous releases, right? But they they hit hit it good with a couple of covers and some slower tracks that got them on the radio yet again. Um, this was Steven Adler was out, Matt Sorm's in They're in the videos. And then in 92, they get on that big tour with Metallica, which, you know, the stadium tour, which, you know, we'll talk about on that next episode. But that was legendary, right? But that was that second, second big band in 91. Yeah, GNR, you know,
3: the, the uh debate is, was two albums necessary? You know, I'm on record saying it comparable to the load reload debate. Combine them into one. And I don't think those illusions uh, aged too well. I think there was a lot of filler in there.
4: I agree. I agree. It was a humongous, humongous to the media and to the public. But the product, I think, was meh.
1: Right. I appreciated the fact that they had the balls to put out a double album. I thought, just like you, earned trim the fat, shove the good stuff onto, even if it's a 15 song CD. Fine. Okay. There's too many meanderings, you know, the, uh, estranged don't cry, all of that stuff that just kind of, you know, uh, Axel trying to think that he's Elton John or whatever that he was going through that trip at the time, you know, there's still good songs like yesterday's, um, I always liked Garden of Eden. You know, it's a it's got that up tempo, you know, punky kind of just you know aggressive thing. You could be mine, you know. That was the Terminator. first thing that came from the uh Terminator 2 soundtrack. Yep. But you know, that was a that's a pretty rocking song. And then like, you know, Live and Let Die and you know, Don't Cry and stuff. There's there's some good material there, but there's a lot of stuff that, you know, like the the stupid rinky dink, you know, it sounds like honky tonk blues jam stuff. I don't need that. That's not what I want to hear. But other than that, I did think that you know, there was enough material that they could have put one big CD out and still had had a good good album. So,
4: Ian, I'm going to put you on the spot. Sure. What was the third band in 1991 that hit the top of the Billboard charts? Skid Row. Bing, 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 bing. Correct. Slave to the grind.
1: Yes, sir. Yeah. It's a solid album, man. It's a great album. We finally got to see them the way that they wanted to be seen, but they kowtowed to the, you know, well, let's get the label, let's get the money. And they, you know, they they, they softened up on the first, but now you hear them between the song Slave to the Grind and Monkey Business. I mean, that's a punch in the face right there, boy. That's, you know, and those are, that album, Top to bottom is a killer album. I like the first one better. And I like Slave to the Grind. Really? But I
3: think the first one, I don't think it's glam. I yeah. think it's it has an attitude. It and
1: No. Well, yeah, but it's it's a little more, you know, of the time, you know, what was going on where this is you can see when they put them on tour later on with Pantera, you know, the following year, they kind of, they worked well together. You know, it was, you know, a little bit different, but still they both had enough balls to be able to go up there and play night to night with each other.
4: How about that too, man? Pantera opening up for them. How, th- how things would change within two or three years. No
1: shit.
3: Now, we talked about the Black Album. Uh, Bob Rock was involved with that. You know, People have their opinions. Yes, no, ruin the band, enhance the band. But at this point, Bob Rock was on a roll. You know, It came off that Dr. Feelgood from the crew. And then he also uh, worked with David Lee Roth. On a little ain't enough. And unfortunately, in this Roth era, yep. I liked the album. Jason Becker had some killer tracks, but it quickly, it like overnight, tour. Yeah. the tour just fizzled yeah. out, canceling shows, losing money, record label dropped Roth. You know, bad luck all the way around. Yeah. But let's talk about the album. Jason Becker's plane is fantastic and it's been documented, unfortunately. He gets that Luke Gehrig's disease recorded, could never tour. Ian, what's your take on uh yeah. the,
1: the this session? The music I think is it, it's right on par. This would have probably been a better follow-up to Eat em and Smile. Where Skyscraper had a little bit too much the to, that mm-hmm. pop production he was going for. It's a little bit too too tinny the guitars aren't as, as big as, you know, eat them and smile, but, uh, this, uh, a little ain't enough, you know, Becker delivers huge and, you know, he go takes right off the, that type of songwriting. You know, I remember the first time hearing the song little ain't enough. I was like, how yeah. fucking catchy is this thing? You know, that that's a, you know, and Roth spitting his, you know, his, his juju, like he does, man. And he just was throwing the words out there, you know, Kissed her on, a, you know, daddy's boat and shot across the lake. You know, I mean, those little things there we got vaccinated with a phonograph needle. You know, he's he's just the man, you know, so I, I had no problem. I felt terrible because I like Jason Becker when he was with Cacophony coming up through Shrapnel Records yeah. with Mike Varney and stuff like that. He really is a is a talented, talented young man. And even to this day, I mean, if you've ever followed anything with the stuff he's done, uh, the music that he wrote and a collection of friends that he assembled to come in to play what he composed, you know, and some of these guys are saying, you know, the, it's all still there. He just doesn't have the ability to use his hands, you know? So, I mean, that kudos to him, you know, but yeah, I love a little late enough, man. It's a great album.
4: And the tour was cool too. I mean, it was a co-headlining tour with yep. Cinderella and extreme opening, right? It was yep. extreme was growing up the charts more than words, hit number one in oh, 1991. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it's like Vern said, it was that, um, I mean, here's Dave playing amphitheaters in the summer playing 75 minutes where he had a billion dollar production two years before yeah. headlining arenas all over the States. Sure. Good show, but you could see the, the slow changing of the scene, oh, yeah. you know, Joe Holmes filled in on guitar on the tour. He was awesome, right? He ended yeah. up going in with Ozzy later on on the tour, yep. uh, touring band. And, and I, my personal memory of that tour in Jersey was we had seats around the soundboard in the back of the uh, the amphitheater. And yeah. Dave yeah. had a little side stage back there where he, you know, somehow oh, came yeah. out.
1: Always, yeah. <laughs> and
4: I wish I had a cell phone back then because, and this is a true story, guys. I think it was during – I don't I can't remember what song it was, maybe Unchained. And Dave brought the uh, the bottle of Jack out and he oh, chugged man. it and then did his token thing where he put it down by his loins and kind of sprayed the office mm-hmm. or sprayed the uh, the crowd oh, with it. Sure. I got Jack all over me and I could tell you it was real Jack. There was no iced tea bullshit. All right. No water <laughs> never. in there. So.
1: Not with not with Dave. No. No. Nope. never.
4: <laughs> so what so about our could... other boys? Van Halen, right? We're on Hold the Van on. Hold
1: on. Hold on, so you can officially say that Dave jacked off on you.
4: <laughs> All
3: right,
0: now now you know what. Ian, I know now
3: I gotta that. change the settings on YouTube to you know alert for kid content. Jesus, nah, I'm not gonna be able to sleep
1: that. tonight. Yeah,
3: so Van Halen, while you're ready to segue into Van Halen,
1: yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, Jump it's we're it. right
4: here. I mean, for unlawful. Carnal Knowledge. It's a tongue twister. F U C K. Awesome album cover. Van Halen logo. You know, looks like Sammy's red leather pants filled with monster tracks. You know, now you look at the band. You know, the Dave versus Sam. Ah, Sam's like way on top of the world, and Dave's starting to fall down the ladder. You guys are Van Halen junkies, Vern. This is a photo finish of my favorite Van
3: Hagar album. I love this album. I love the Andy Johns drum sound in the production. I love Eddie's tone, like Pleasure Dome. Yeah. Uh, I just love that him and ale jam and pound cake. Uh, one of the, the, the few Van Hagar songs where I would put up if I were to rank the Van Halen songs of all time up closer to the top. Uh, right. Just, I, I love the album. I love the era um, the tour was great. The look of the band was healthy. Ed, and correct me if I'm wrong, was that when he rolled out those Ernie Ball guitars or was that the original? Yeah, I mean, I love yeah. that purple guitar. Yep. Um, The, yep. the do- double neck during yep. the live version of Spanked, I believe, was fantastic. It's, I give a yep. uh, four on lawful. I hate to rate it, but it's up there. I love it. I agree.
1: It was an album that when it came out, I didn't want to love it. I was so still on OU812. I, I, I was into 5150. There was some stuff I was into. This album came out and I was starting to progress into heavier territory. And I didn't really absorb it fully until about a year or two later. It was. Somebody brought it to a party we had at my house, and I remember yes. hearing the song Judgment Day. Oh, 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 and oh, I was oh, like, oh, 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 "Holy yes. shit!" I said, "I go, that's that's like classic Van Halen with a Hagar topping." You know, it's it it had the balls, it had all the energy and the attitude that you needed, and I think that's one of the things because a Van Halen is such an iconic band. But B, because of this album at this time, they were able to coexist with the Allison Chains and the Soundgarden yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. Christ, they toured with Allison Chains, you know, uh, for this album, and they did it well, you know, because they were still putting out good music. And not a one of those guys was ever going to go back and say, "Oh, nobody likes Van Halen." Yeah, that's like shoot yourself in the foot. You look like an asshole. But yeah, I I thought that this album. You know, shock to me. You know, uh, was great. You know, there's. You know, I don't. You know, the pop stuff. Yeah, I kind of got used to that at this point because of the first two albums. But man, spanked, pleasure dome, judgment day, pound cake. Well, right now is a great song. Oh no, I know. I just
3: yeah. No, that's um, that's epic.
4: And that video of the time was like unique. Right, that video was like. It was Van Halen at its mature stage content wise, right? Yeah. It was. I mean, you look, watch that video. I think it was a sort of a copy over yeah. of a, the old Bob Dylan song or whatever with the, you know, but you can look at that video now 30 years sure. later, it's still cool. It's, it's edgy and it's got yeah. it's it's the band saying here's the message behind the song. So yep. totally. It, that was it, the pinnacle yep. of the Sammy. Right yeah. What are the other the other big album of 92 or 91? Sorry, Vern do there you go oh, I, I thought of no Force. more tears
3: was great um zach now it's a yeah. battle between yeah. r- no rest for the wicked or no more tears for you know zach's tone but i love yeah. no more tears the title track was great i don't want to change the world oh, yeah. uh hellraiser um you know, I'm not going to recite the whole album, yep. but the, the sequencing on the album is great. Ozzy sounds fantastic. Um,
4: yeah, I uh, I I think I will. I, I love No Rest for the Wicked, but this is a, a little bit better in my opinion. He was, uh, I mean, I've seen Ozzy on all those tours, and this was one of those tours I do remember when he came back through. If you remember, he broke his... He broke his ankle and they had to reschedule the mm-hmm. tour, and he came back a couple months later. And it was one of those shows yeah. I remember. You think about top 10, 15 shows you've ever seen. Just the vibe of that night was sure. dead on. It was perfect. He sound great. The band was good. I was in the right seat. He was pulling out different Sabbath tracks like Snowblind and eh, Heaviness of Desire. Like this, it's fucking, this was a fucking great period for me as an Aussie fan. I love this. Yeah. I related to this album.
1: Yep. Yeah. yeah. This, this to me i mean no rest for the wicked and no more tears for me they're like neck and neck right up at that at that apex for for ozzy material and he really you know the stuff that came afterwards you know osmosis is is a decent album um but this is this is you know, this is the, the top of the mountain, really, for, for Ozzy at this point. This is the live album that accompanied this tour. And, and he was cool. He was cool. Oh, then, Ozzy, man. Right? He was oh, cool. Yeah.
4: And I mean, think about his image six, seven years later. Right. After, oh, yeah. like, forgetting the music when he was on, yeah. you know, started his family show and all my crap. Like, yep. Ozzy is like, I was proud to be Ozzy fan then. And then I, I, yep. six, seven years later, it was like, oh, man, do I really want to put Ozzy on my patch jacket? Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, then, I, you know. People, you know, get mad at me for referring to him, but you know that was the beginning of what I I call his mumbles. You know, I refer to him as mumbles when he does interviews and talks. I I have to shut off the the radio. I can't, you know. He's fried his brain so bad, and he's got so many uh, health issues going on, you know. But you know, they also made uh, they made him into a a, a cartoon character. You know, the the Osborne's TV show and. All the other stuff there, you know, now he became something that hot topic kids wanted to have uh stuffed animal, you know, versions of, you know, little stuffed Ozzy figurines and shit, you know, afterwards.
3: And it's the music business. Yeah. They had an Oz fest promote. They had it's you know, I'm over it. It's oh, I know. whatever. I uh, God bless them. I have no problem with yeah. that. Hey, they gotta and I respect that your opinion, but it's like, yeah, whatever.
1: But this is this is the, the pinnacle. This is the peak right here.
3: No, and then the follow-ups, Black Eye or yeah, Black up. Rain, and like you know, all those every three or four year albums. It's, it's it wasn't really a band. It's a collaboration. You know, you don't know who wrote it, and then it's like who wrote it, who recorded it, and then who toured for it. There's no continuity, and right. and that's what we need. We grew up with continuity. You knew the guys wrote the album. You knew they recorded it. And then you went and saw them play it live. The same guys. Of course, there's times when people can't perform it live for various reasons. But, you know, Ozzy segued into that.
2: For those who love it loud... Pantheon Podcast presents... Rockin' Pod Weekend! Nashville, March 17th through the 19th. It's a rock convention featuring panels, interviews, podcasts, signing sessions, vinyl, comic books, pop culture, and collectibles. Over 50 celebrity guests, including members of Mr. Big, Tough, Great White, Keel, Winger, Accept, and Twisted Sister. Live concerts including Rare Hair on Friday... Keel Fest 2 on Saturday, and Eric Martin's Big Acoustic on Sunday. Plus a rockin' comedy show featuring Courtney Cronin-Dold, Don Jameson from That Metal Show, and Craig Gass from The Howard Stern Show, and a whole lot more. Full details at rockinpod.com. Rockin' Pod Weekend is presented by Pantheon Podcasts in association with RFK Media, Third Power Amplification, and bobbydreyer.com.
4: Talk about continuity.
3: Rush,
1: oh. Roll the Bones.
4: Roll the yeah. Bones. Roll the Bones. We all love Rush. Yep. Love the album. Yep. You know, it was uh again their sound at the time was changing off of the keyboard synth era. It was a slow growth from presto. Yep. Roll the Bones was strong. Yep. Fucking awesome yep. songs on that album. And yep. uh then more big tour. I mean, this is to me when Rush you know, they would you know, used to see him once they would come through the states in the winter and then yeah. they would come back two years later again. But this is when Rush started doing two and three legs in North America. And you could see him over a 16 month period in a big city like three times. Sure. And and I went every time and. Right. Hey, come on. The songs, Dreamline, right. Bravado, the title track. Right. Yeah. Very melodic. Uh Cool ass tour. I went up to Hamilton, Ontario. Actually, Verno in the same arena you saw Iron Maiden a few months ago is the same arena I saw the opening night of the Roll of Bones tour, October
3: 1991,
4: with really? uh, with uh, the guy from Coney Hatch. Uh, Wait a second. I, I the saw Roll of
3: Bones right around then. I thought, um, I thought, was that the tour Steve Morris opened, or
4: he had? They had a lot of acts, but in this particular show. It was. Uh, I'm just forgetting the guy's name. The guy from Coney Hatch.
3: From the production angle, you know they um, they uh, took the Peter Collins way of recording into effect. There, they they recorded it very quickly. That's what I'm trying to say. Rupert Hines was involved again. Right. You know they they had a smorgasbord of influences from previous production people and. Getty, even at the time, I remember he was really excited about it. I liked the album, and I liked Presto, and I loved the Me Presto too. tour. Honestly, we've gone over this, and everyone has yeah. their opinions. There's very few Rush eras that you know I don't gravitate to, and honestly, I'll save this because we got years to come. It wasn't until the end that I really didn't gravitate to a lot of their material, but that's yet to come. Roll the bones, love it, love it. Uh, what else we got on here? Uh, Tesla, Psychotic Supper.
1: This, you know, kind of had some of the, um, It it's almost a kissing sister to what Mechanical Resonance was. You know, you, you've got, you know, some of those really, you know, kind of heavy, sludgy mm-hmm. kind of sound and things that they had. And then they still have typical Tesla fashion. You know, they've got their, You know, their acoustic type stuff and they got their, you know, their kind of, I call it hippy trippy, you know, jammy kind of things, you know, that's Frank Hanna and and, uh, Jeff Keith, you know, but this was a, this was another surprise album for me because I can remember at the time, not really grabbing it. And it was something I picked up years later and I was like, man, that, that really is a good, good album. You know, it's, I, you know, I always have had a love for the classic Tesla um what they put out you know they, they were they're truly a great american hard rock band you know and this was you know like you said it's that 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 third piece in that trilogy of albums for them at that time you know with the classic lineup and everything so
4: i think what you give is to me one of my one of the best tesla songs of all That's
1: i mean that fun. song just
4: i you know what man that one just gives me like the uh, goosebumps every time i hear it
1: yeah, it's, it's a fun,
3: fun album. You know, in you know, that and album, never realized this. and uh, I was going to play it on the radio show a couple weeks ago, except it's like almost nine minutes long. Song and Emotion
4: is for S-
3: <laughs> Steve Clark. Oh, it's a great
4: song. Yeah, yeah. who passed away in 19- yeah. one, 1991, yeah. right? So it was written about him. Eric Carr also passed away in 91 and Freddie Mercury. Yep. So those were uh, pretty sad times, right? Queen had a release. I love that album. Innuendo. That was great. I mean, that title yeah. track, I oh mean, the title God. track, man, it's <laughs> yeah. it's I think he it's, had Robert Plant maybe singing background on that. Uh, yeah. I forget. I got to check fact check that. But
1: yeah, I believe so. And it, it, the, the sound of it, man, that's that innuendo is just monstrous. Yeah.
4: It's, 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 it's the end, the beginning and the end of the album. The song, the show must go on. Yeah. It, give that one a listen. Vern, put that on the radio show. That yeah, song is another one, man. It's epic. And years later, when Freddie passes, you look back at that song. He was in the throes of his illness in 91. They, know they, they knew they couldn't tour. Yeah. This song is for Queen fans. They look at this song, and this is Freddie... Freddie's inner, he's channeling his inner self at that time. There were songs about his cats, Delilah. You know, I mean, again, headlong, you got to you know, go ahead. I'm going slightly mad. That was him, you know, in the psychosis of an illness. And it's definitely a different kind of album. There's a lot more studio type tinkering versus them in a live setting, probably. But a good one, it's a mood one. You put it on, you got to be in the mood for this album. You know, yeah. it's unfortunate yeah. that they can never go out and tour anymore. But right. years later, when they would get out with Paul Rogers, they some of these songs would be played again. A good one flies under the radar.
1: This was Freddie, basically writing his own epitaph. You know, with this album. You know, you you listen to the show must go on. Yeah. And, you know, still, like right now, just talking about it. You know, hairs on the back of my neck kind of go up. You know, and Queen was always one of those unique bands. You know. Yeah. A lot like Rush, you know. I mean, they they yeah. there's nobody that sounds like Queen, you know. And you know, they had a lot of really great hard rock songs. They had a lot of really great pop songs. Um, and Freddie was just, you know, talk about the master of ceremony. You know, I mean, the guy, you know, as a frontman getting up there. I mean, look at what he did Live Aid. We talked about it, you know, several episodes ago. Yeah. So.
3: Let's talk about the Nirvana Pearl Jam uh what else came out in that in that year? Soundgarden, Soundgarden.
1: Red Hot Chili Peppers.
3: Chili Peppers they really, you know, yeah. they, they they were existed in the 80s, early 80s, you know, mid 80s. Right. Um I liked Pearl Jam. I liked sure. that 10 album. I thought it was great. Uh Nirvana, I'm a little um you know that whole I'm territorial. When I saw that little fuck with that sweater on and all yeah. that bullshit, you know, fuck that. <laughs> I'm being a dick, but you know, I wasn't really Soundgarden was cool. Again, they had roots in, you know, old o- older stuff. And 80s, um yeah. th- that's my take. Sure. I'm not, you know, hey, we're we're all entitled to our opinion. Uh Ian, quickly um sure, go around the horn.
1: Even, you know, the early stuff with Chili Peppers, you know, yeah. I could give or take most of it. Pearl Jam, never been a big fan. Uh, Soundgarden, love them still to this day. Uh, even back then, I liked them. You know, Loud Love was or Louder Than Love was a great album. Uh, didn't care for Nirvana. Didn't care for what he was trying to say or what they were trying to usher in. To me, that was you coming in and pissing in my cereal. So playing it. That's really all I got to say about that. Well,
4: yeah, I don't want to repeat what you guys are saying. I, I for the most part, I agree. I think the key here is that it was the changing of the guard. This was yeah. the yeah. year that brought these bands in and it cemented yeah. the change in the rock scene, right? Sure. This was the nail in the coffin. But I do love and I say I love that Soundgarden album. That's just strong <laughs> all the way through. Ooh. They got lots of video airplay. And Dude. just a good fucking kick-ass album.
3: You know, uh, we all have our opinions on uh, the demon lord Gene Simmons, but it was great when Simmons said indirectly to Kurt Cobain's, like, uh, eh, you don't want to be a rock star? Well, I'm a rock star. You don't like the rock star money? You know, you're not in it for the money? Then send me the money. You know, and which what I'm trying yeah. to say is... Yep. Hey, you can't have it both ways, pal. Yeah, bullshit. You say this. And then later on, Cobain coming out saying, you know, ripping on Maiden and, you know, saying derogatory things. Oh, I'm glad that we're not compared to them. It's like easy, pal. Fucking,
1: you know. Yet when you hear, you know, his buddy there, King Buzzo from the Melvins, he said, he goes, we all listened to Maiden and Van Halen and Kiss and Sabbath and all these bands that they were trying to slag on growing up. But the cool thing to say at the time for them, that college radio crowd was to, Oh no, that's shit. Listen to these guys.
3: The flip side of this coin, and I'm going to send it over to metal. Walt is the uh, kicks LA guns, you know, Mr. Big that's right up his Avenue. And um, well, Set the table on these bands because they're releasing stuff in 91. And I'm sure, you know, both of you enjoyed it. What was the landscape like?
4: Yeah. So, again, a lot of those 80s bands, they did put out new music. Some of it was more memorable than others. I'll talk off on my favorites, right? The Mr. Big album, Lean Into It was good. It was filled with uh still uh, tracks that are popular today popular that that were on the radio, really, really good showcasing of um, you know, the band and, and who they were all about. I mean, Alive and Kicking, Daddy Brother, Lover, Little Boy, Green Tinted Sixty Mind, Just Take My Heart. Those are all big songs, right? Um, I think the the some of the other, you know, Saigon Kick tried to break in late. They quite weren't hairband. They were different. They'll always be unique in that uh sort of weird period of the early 90s, but they they deserve a call out. You know, mixed mixed on some of those other kickses, LA Guns, Macaulay, Shanker. Really nothing out there to me on those. Um White Lion, I think this was their last studio album. I love those guys, but this was those bands, you know, you know, kind of closing the book and their songs, whether fair or not, were just not well received. And I think it was that uh period that just changed. Ian and I have had detailed discussions, and this will be shown on our inaugural edition of Rock and Roll Detention. Badlands put out their second album, Voodoo Highway, which we loved, but that was also a different sound. They got fairly uncategorized in the hair bands, but they were a vintage sounding rock and roll band. So take all of that stuff together in a wrap. Those are my opinions. I think, but I still think there's some other nuggets in 91. And I'm going to call them out and let you guys talk about them. Let's talk about two that I think are really – three, I should say, that are really good. Sabotage's Streets, Motorhead's 1916, and Primus's Sailing the Seas of Cheese. Ian.
1: Okay. So I'm going to go on record. I got to say Sailing the Seas of Cheese – falls into some of the grunge type stuff. I, it was okay. I got into it because guys that were bass players were loving on cl- less claypool, so there was some uh different music that was involved in there it was really cool. Um Sabotage. I will go to my grave telling everybody one of my favorite guitar players is Chris Oliva. He's one of the guys that really helped sculpt what was in my brain when it came to writing and creating music in streets is a fantastic, fantastic album.
4: It's a concept um, album.
1: Yeah. Yep. And it's it's a great uh album, you know, for you know, from top to end. I mean, it gets very emotive towards the end, you can tell, you know, that whole rock opera thing, you know, it's getting down to that dark, you know, a lot of ballady stuff towards the end. But from the beginning of the album with Jesus Saves crushing through with streets and everything. It's just, it's a monster.
4: And it has, yeah. this is the album that changed the sounds of the band to their, let's call it their third era of time or second period. They got a rebirth. Right. This yep. was, you know, this was the second part of that.
1: Yep. And the motorhead, I mean, it. this is as classic as that original lineup was with filthy animal Taylor and fast Eddie Clark, Phil Campbell and Mickey D with Lemmy, yeah. Oh my god. Voices in the sky, going to
3: Brazil, the title track. You no, know, no, you're my you're god. spot on,
1: ref. Yeah.
4: Spot on. It's um this album's yep. fucking killer. It's awesome, right?
1: And the production on it is so good. And this is Lemmy, you know, all the contributions that he gave to Ozzy with the No More Tears album with the songwriting. He's at yeah. like another level at this point. You know, I don't know if the, the the Jack Daniels in his blood had finally gotten to a particular level, you know, or the you know, the speed had kind of worked its way out a little bit, whatever was going on. But he was freaking a machine. You know, it, it, those are three great albums. You know, really. And,
4: and we had Jason McMaster on with us about a month ago, and he talked about the tour in ninety one, um, oh, yeah. the Operation Rock and Roll tour, when which album this album was out. Motor was out promoting this album. You know, it was cool to hear those songs. And uh, Alice Cooper also put an album out called Hey, Stupid in 91. Again, not a great album overall, but the title track was still on MTV. Feed My Frankenstein, you know, got picked up by Wayne's World. He still plays that song 30 years later in his repertoire as the big monster to come out. So, you know, (laughs) still Alice is doing his uh, good thing. And he had Steph Burns on that album and tour, which we talked to Todd Kearns about. His new band, Heroes and Monsters, that contained Todd Kearns on guitar. So it all comes back. Before we get out of here,
3: because nice. uh, we're up against nice. it, uh, I just want to mention Armored Saint and Symbol of Salvation. Now, this was the last album before they took a little hiatus. It was their fourth album. Jeff Duncan joined the band. Guitarist took over for after the passing of our original guitarist Dave Pritchard. They yep. Dave Pritchard demoed and wrote this, but Duncan recorded it. Yep. The staples in the set, Rain of Fire, Dropping Like Flies, the title track. Armored uh, Saint, and then they yep. even had a cameo appearance. One of their songs was in Hellraiser 3. What song was that? It was, uh, oh, Hanging Judge. And the band had a cameo in it
1: in the movie. You know, I've never seen it. And, um, Uh yeah, I mean, "Symbol of Salvation" and "Rain of Fire" are just two of my favorite songs by these guys. They, you know, "Rain of Fire." I remember when that song, hearing it the first time, I was like, "Wow!" I go, "That's just amazing." They sound great, you know, and they're another band, you know. Yeah, kind of unique to themselves. Armored Saint has their sound, man. They're you know, a little bit European influenced, a little bit American influence, but they kind of ride this line and they just slay, man. I I I love Armored Saint to this day. They're kill. Uh Walt,
3: add anything to it, or just uh I was just been a fan.
1: No, yeah. I
4: th- at this, again, I agree with you guys too. I think it's definitely a an album worth calling out uh and giving some attention to. There's two more I want to just quickly cover. Um, again, personal collection favorites of mm-hmm. mine, Overkills Horoscope. This was uh, the Good first on. release that uh, did not contain original guitarist Bobby Gustafson. They brought right. in different guys, but it's a fucking killer album. I mean, put yeah. that song "Coma" on. Yeah. You know, that's a that's a top five overkill track for me. And that was the beginning of my fascination with that band, probably for the next ten years or so. And then one that I don't know if you guys uh, really were into them, but I think are a cool band still this day and age is Prong. And Prong came out with Prove You Wrong. And it's hard to describe the sound of Prong. They're a trio, heavy, heavy guitar, a little bit industrial, um, edgy. Right. But that, to me, was that sound, the metal sound that would go forward in the 90s and into the 2000s. And and Prong hit it. And, you know, it got picked up by Ozzy on many, many tours. And, you know, Tommy, yep. uh, what's his name uh, from from Prong? Tommy Victor's out
1: there. Oh, Tommy Victor. And, and he played like with Danzig and everything. There.
4: Yeah, he's still out there. They just put a new song out a couple of weeks ago. So definitely wanted to call some attention to that one.
1: I got to give a quick nod to uh, the Blind album by C.O.C. First, uh, our last album with uh, Kyle, their original singer. And this is the album that started, you know, when they did that um, Dance of the Dead and then Vote with a Bullet and then vote with a bullet, you hear Pepper Keenan for the first time doing the vocals yeah. with those guitars. Not realizing that it's, you yeah. know, forbearing to what, what's coming down the road, you know, with their next album. But, I mean, that's a killer album. Obedience Through Suffering by Crowbar. If anybody has ever listened to the band Crowbar, it's kind of like being in... A car crash with the stereo up really loud. I mean, it's almost like the the car is collapsing in on you, the weight of the guitar tones. And Forest of Equilibrium by Cathedral. I can't say it enough. I love Cathedral. Cathedral is just such a cool freaking band, and they were so different. They were one of those bands at the time that knew – wave of doom metal that was, you know, kind of rearing its head, you know, when the bands were trying to keep going trouble and St. Vitus and stuff, these guys were the guys that really kicked it in the ass and heavy And,
3: shit. and listeners, you know, you're, you're out there listening to this and you're like, well, what about so-and-so and so-and-so, you know, of course, there's a lot on this landscape and we'd be here all day. Here's yeah. a perfect example, you know, typo negative, you know, they're out yeah. there with that slow, hard, I mean, it's just (laughs) so it's not like we're purposely trying to admit anyone. And if there's something we forgot, a band we forgot or missed, you know, reach out to us. Let us know if you agree, disagree, you know, give us our props, tell us, oh, come on, Vern, you don't know what you're talking about, or, you know, hey, Walt, you know, you forgot this or that, you know, let us know. But so this is 91 in a nutshell. It's not the whole thing, but it's what we feel. Walt, what's coming up? 1992. Now, the 90s are really pivoting. What's ahead for us?
4: Uh, 92, uh, it's, you know, again, the, the year is full of new albums, you know, new material released left and right. Yeah. A lot of bands we know, again, some emerging bands, uh, some existing bands having really big hisses, uh, hits, some, um, yeah. some big bands having misses, a lot of just... New releases and this is gonna be a theme of the nineties, new releases from bands, steady releases. And uh, you know, just sure. uh, you know, using an example. Motorhead put another album out in nineteen ninety-two, and yep. he probably did that same album again in ninety-four <laughs> or ninety six and yeah. ninety nine, right? Yeah,
3: I know. Um
4: but it's um yeah. there's just there's a plethora of good sure. music in ninety-two. It's just you may not start seeing in the nineties where we're gonna go, holy shit, look at these top five that sold 10 million copies. It doesn't exist, but it doesn't yeah. mean there's not good material out there.
3: Ian, any parting shots before we get out of here?
1: Well, I think, you know, what we're going to see going forward is that cementing of those bands, you know, minus, you know, something like a Led Zeppelin, you know, because of Bonham being dead. AC/DC, Kiss, Van Halen, Metallica, you know, Guns N' Roses, you know, for a while, um, Rush, Motorhead. These are the bands that are cornerstone bands that continue to put out material, but they're touring on big tours and the names are just cemented in your brain. I mean, think about all of the, you know, the live albums that came from some of these, you know, uh, these tours, you know, between some of those bands. So it's uh, 90s are, are, are different, but they still are a lot of fun. So. and
4: we lived through it the three of us lived through it and then I yeah. think back I can't differentiate one year from the next in the 90s but all I know was I loved the 90s I loved all the metal that came out sure. I went to all the shows so they couldn't have been that no. bad no yeah. so alright <laughs> survived yeah we survived right? That's So,
3: <laughs> alright just remind you get up to that website com. join our community sign up for the newsletter and again send us your input Let us know how we're doing and how we're not doing. Either way, we appreciate the engagement. For Metal Walt and Ian O'Rourke, I'm the Vernomatic. This is Metal Mayhem ROC.
0: Metal for life. Thank you for listening to Metal Mayhem ROC. Check out our website at MetalMayhemROC.com for information on podcasts, archives, links to all our live radio shows, and all sorts of info. Please like, follow, and share with everyone, even your non-metal friends. And always remember to keep it heavy.
5: It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football.